Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let's start the broadcast today. Let's turn in our Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let's read a very familiar verse. I'm going to be honest with you. I, I don't usually, things don't bother me, really. Not, not really. Not, you know, when it comes to the things of God, numbers especially. I don't focus on numbers. Say focus on God. But let me tell you what I'm, if I'm disappointed, I can share that with you, right? I'm disappointed because I can't think of any of the gifts of the Spirit that, that the body of Christ needs to learn more about than the simple gift of prophecy. And so, you know, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. Well, all dozen of us, all dozen of you, <laughs> you're going to pick up some stuff today that others in the body of Christ desperately need, but they don't have it. So I'm hoping that a whole bunch of people will, will watch the broadcast today. Because I've been promising you for a long time that I was going to make clear today why um, prophecy, the simple gift of prophecy, is different than the way we've just always been taught and the way we've assumed it to be. How many of you know we need to learn the Word of God correctly? Amen? And if we're going to be disciples of Christ, learning the book is paramount. And, and stop assuming about the Word of God is paramount. Amen? I can tell you that in my lifetime, especially when I was younger, I don't do this a lot anymore, but when I was younger, I used to have these question and answer sessions. I was in my 20s. How many of you know I couldn't really answer half the questions? <laughs> you know, in my 20s. What are you going to do? You're like you're Joe Wizard of the Bible. You're going to answer a whole bunch of questions when you're 24 years old? No, right? So what I do is I just try to teach the Word at 64, and I don't let you ask a lot of questions. I'm just kidding. That's not true. I try to answer your questions. So um, anyway, uh, having said all that, one second here. All right. Praise God. We're going to review a couple of things real quick and get it out of the way. Gift of prophecy. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 again. Come on. Let's read verses 7 through 11. Because that's our, our passage of Scripture. Each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So what does that mean? That means that when God uses you in the gifts of the Spirit, it's, it's generally for a blessing to the body of Christ, generally speaking. All right? Um, can God give you a word for somebody else's, no one else's business? Yes, it, it, you, He can, right? And sometimes He does. What I can't bear is... Um, a lady came to see me one time to talk to me about, you know, services that she had been a part of. And I've heard of this time and time again. And, and listen to me carefully. I'm not mad at anybody except the devil. I'm only mad at the devil. I'm not mad at anybody. And I don't go around, you know, busting people's chops to make myself look good. I don't do it. I can't do that. God help me. I know better than that. To do something you know better than to do is foolishness. Isn't that correct? But I will tell you that, and if you've ever been a part of this, don't, I'm not throwing rocks at you, okay? I'm just saying it's easy to get caught up in this sort of thing. But this lady, uh, I'm going to give you the other story about this lady that went to a friend of mine and was talking to him, a person I know, all right? Because I want to be specific about this. I don't want to lie to you or, you know, move anything around. What she was saying to him was, um, she was saying that I was going to these classes. And if you've ever heard of this sort of thing or been a part of this sort of thing, I'm going to tell you, I'll show you in the Word of God where it just doesn't fit, all right? She said all we were doing, all of us in the room, were laying hands on each other and prophesying. That's what we were there to do. 
And if you've ever been in that or caught up in that or whatever, you know, unless you can tell me that a whole lot of the things in that room that were spoken came to pass, I'm going to think you were in the wrong place. All right? But I've seen schools of prophecy where they want to bring everybody together in the room, like everybody in the room. If you've listened to this teaching, you understand that what they're saying is come to this room and we'll teach you how to lay hands on people and give them a word of knowledge and a word of wisdom about their lives and everybody's going to do it. Uh-uh. That is not what the Word of God says. And because we equate prophecy in the New Testament, all prophecy in the New Testament with prophecy in the Old Testament... If they say, come to this school of prophecy, we'll have you laying hands on people and prophesying over one another. Everybody's going to prophesy over each other. Does that sound like the leading of the Holy Ghost to you? Sounds like the leading of a human being to me. Somebody who thinks they've got the Word of God figured out, but they don't. And we've got to be careful as men and women of God in leadership not to try to mislead people because there's a price to pay for that. There's a price to pay for that. And I fear for people who are willing to um, sucker people in with talk like that. You know, uh, God help us all. But, but to do something so blatantly not found in the Word of God frightens me for them. It frightens me for them. So anyway, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 through 11, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge, to another the, to the same Spirit, uh, knowledge according to the same Spirit, and to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of those tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. As I've explained on several occasions, just last week we did it again. The simplest way to describe the gifts of the Spirit is to say that three of them say something. Is that, are we getting the gist of that? Three of them say something. Three of them do something. They accomplish something. They all accomplish something, but, I mean, these actually do something. And then there's the three gifts that reveal something, something we wouldn't know if God didn't tell us right? All right, we're going to look at some of those in action today. And then there are three uh, gifts of utterance that say something. That's prophecy, diverse kinds of tongues, and interpretation of tongues. You got, and then, of course, there's the power gifts that do something. Um, wow, isn't that, isn't that powerful, right? Three gifts of revelation, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discerning of spirits. Uh, so today, what we're going to do is begin our discussion of the three gifts of inspiration or utterance we're going to talk about prophecy we just did an, an intro of it we're viewing that of these three gifts in my opinion prophecy is the most important does anybody remember why prophecy is more important than tongues and interpretation it's a simple thing you can't do uh, tongues and interpretation two-part gift unless you're willing to give the the message and the prophecy, or you give the message and someone else gives the interpretation, right? You give the word in tongues and someone interprets it, or you give it and you interpret it, which can happen. I've seen it before. Amen? All right? But prophecy is it's a standalone person thing. <laughs> One person, right? You just open your mouth and speak what God laid into your heart. 
And what if you say, but what if I open my mouth and I speak something that's about to happen a few weeks down the road or next year or whatever, and it comes to pass? Well, guess what? You just gave a word of wisdom by the vehicle of prophecy. Do you understand what I'm saying? You stood up, you opened your mouth, and you spoke forth this word of wisdom. So the word of wisdom came by the gift of prophecy. One person standing up. Can it happen with a person speaking in tongues and interpreter? Yes. Say, so, well, brother, isn't that just tongues and interpretation or just standing on prophecy? No. If it has to do with predicting the future, it's a word of wisdom. It's just like I said, because you rode to church this morning in a car didn't make you a car. You were still a person, right? The vehicle that you arrived in was just the vehicle that you got here in. It, 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 you understand what I'm saying? You didn't, it didn't change you, you know what I'm saying? If, if you rode in a car, you didn't become a car. If you stood up and began to speak, thus saith the Lord, but it involved a word of wisdom, it's a word of wisdom. All right? Let's don't make more out of it or complicate it. Amen? So, to be clear, the reason why I believe that prophecy is more important than tongues and interpretation is because it only involves one individual. It only requires one gift to be completed. Prophecy is a supernatural utterance in a known or understood language. Diverse kinds of tongues is a supernatural utterance in an unknown tongue. Interpretation of tongues is a supernatural showing forth of that which has been said in an unknown tongue. The Hebrew meaning, because I thought we ought to know the, the meaning of these words. The Hebrew meaning of the phrase to prophesy is to flow forth, to speak. Amen? To flow forth. It also carries with it the thought to bubble forth like a fountain, to let drop, to lift up, to tumble forth, and to spring forth. The very first time I ever heard tongues and interpretation in church, I've told you this so many times, and if you've ever seen it, if you ever see the real thing, you will know it. There will be no doubt in your heart and mind because it touches everyone in the room and electrifies the place. Amen? If someone just opens their mouth and starts blabbing something off and, and you feel like they've interrupted the service, guess what? They've interrupted the service. All right? Okay. So, prophecy can mean to speak for God or to be his spokesman. When you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1, in the King James Version, it says, follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you may prophesy. In the English Standard Version, it says, in 1 Corinthians 14, 1, pursue love and earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Now, if you believe that that's anything more than the simple gift of prophecy, that means that everybody is to pursue love and earnestly desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you stand up and talk about the future. Do you understand that isn't what it means? That isn't what that means. Everybody needs to stand up and talk about the future or say something, you know, from God. You're not responsible. Everyone in the room is not responsible for revealing God's knowledge of the future. Do you understand that? But we're all supposed to be encouraging, uplifting, amen, to console one another. Matter of fact, I can tell you that there are people that you come in contact with every day of your life that desperately need an encouraging word from God. Edification, 
consoling, amen, soothing words from God. That's why he says, uh, pursue love, earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. It's not so that we can all get in a room and, and, and impress one another with our spiritual gift of being able to tell the future. That's conceit. And that has nothing to do with the Spirit of God. So we're told to desire spiritual gifts, but especially that we might prophesy. That this doesn't mean we're not to desire the other gifts, but we are especially desire prophecy. Why? Because the Word of God says so. In 1 Corinthians 14, 39, in the English Standard Version, it says, So, my brothers, earnestly desire to prophesy. That does not mean earnestly desire to tell the future. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's the simple gift of prophecy they're talking about here. So, my brothers, earnestly desire to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues. So, would I be out of order if I said that God through Paul spoke to the church in Corinth and it applies to the church everywhere to desire spiritual gifts but rather that we may prophesy? I, I think it's important to understand the difference. And I can tell you, wherever I've ever been that I've taught on the gifts of the Spirit and they began to catch on, that's the one that boomed forth first and more often. And you know what? That's okay. Though Paul himself said we should, we should cover that one more earnestly. Am I right or wrong? All right. What it has to do with foretelling versus foretelling, the simple gift of prophecy should not be confused with the prophetic office or with prophetic utterance that may come forth in the prophet's ministry. In 1 Corinthians 14, 3, it says, On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. Do you hear what I just read? That just told you what prophecy, the simple gift of prophecy. 1 Corinthians 14, 3. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. In the King James Version, you need to hear this. But he that prophesieth speaketh unto men to edification, exhortation, and comfort. So we can see... That the simple gift of prophecy in the New Testament, there is no revelation involved. Am I twisting the word here? Or am I taking something from it? And if I'm right, shouldn't every believer who claims to be a spirit-filled Christian know what the word of God says about these gifts? Because guess what? We Pentecostals claim to be the experts on the subject. Hey, I'm teaching on it, and I don't even claim to be an expert. You hear me? I'm standing here humbly before you trying to get you to look at what the Scripture says, not at what your, hey, your grandmother may have been like my grandmother's godly women, but everything they taught me from the Word didn't come from the Holy Ghost, and I had to learn over again. That's no discredit to my grandmother's. Guess what? I've got people in this church that I know are dynamic prayer warriors that have told me I'm hearing things about the Holy Ghost I've never heard before. I said that's because they're not taught properly in the body of Christ. They're not. And I'm saying, God, help me. So do you understand why it sounds like I'm attacking prophets? Sounds like I'm, I'm not attacking prophets. I'm not attacking prophecy. 
I just believe you need to know the difference between the simple gift of prophecy in the New Testament and the gifts of the Spirit, the revelation gifts like word of knowledge and word of wisdom. All right? You say, well, Brother Dennis, why did they call it prophecy in the Old Testament? There was an element missing in the Old Testament. Everything you read in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 about the gifts of the Spirit wasn't talked about in the Old Testament. So they conveniently including the Bible itself. That's the tough part. What did they call them? They're prophets in the Old Testament and they prophesied. Because we didn't have definitions back then for the gifts of the Spirit. Do you understand what I'm saying? The, the God himself on the throne, you know, by the power of his Spirit, didn't inspire the writers of the Old Testament to talk about why. Then you say, well, why, Brother Dennis? Why does it just show up in the New Testament? What did we say last week? It shows up in the New Testament because Jesus said, I'm going away, but I'm going to send you another. He said, I'm going to go away, but someone's coming in my place. So we would need the teaching on the gifts of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. Does that make sense to you? All right. Is what I'm saying, though, is it kind of foreign? I mean, it is a little foreign, isn't it? But, but yet, we're, we're sticking close to the Scripture, are we not? I, I think we are. All right, the simple gift of prophecy is given for edification, exhortation, and comfort. However, in the office of the prophet, we very often find that revelation and foretelling does come forth, and at times, through the vehicle of different gifts. It's also interesting to note the difference between prophecy in the Old Testament and prophecy in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, prophecy was essentially foretelling the future. But in the New Testament, we see the gift of prophecy shift strongly to foretelling. You're just talking about the things that God gives you to say. And you know what they mostly have to do with? His magnificence, his holiness, his righteousness, his love, his ability to do the impossible. And we just keep getting reminded and uplifted of how much he loves us. And it edifies us. It comforts me. It lifts me up. Amen? All right, so I don't think, I think you're, you're finally, I think we're cracking the shell here. Because I've had people sitting out here in this congregation looking at me like a cow studying a new gate. I know because I built a gate in the pasture that the cows weren't used to. And it was a place of gathering because they stood there and watched me like, what's he doing? You know? Well, people have looked at me when I began to talk about prophecy like a cow studying a new gate. What do we do with this, right? You've got to answer that question for yourself. What do we do with this? Do you realize that I have angered some people so much with the teaching on the Holy Spirit, this subject, because it went against the grain of everything they believed about Pentecostalism? Let me ask you a question. Mm, I'm going to, I'm going to, I know, I know this is going to rub some fur backwards, but you'll be okay. You'll be all right. If the Pentecostal churches in this country are the experts, and the one, we're the ones that are supposed to know how it works, why are not people being healed by the thousands? And why, are not, ev why not every Pentecostal church in the country packed out? I'm just saying, I'm just saying, it's because 
We haven't gotten it right yet. But we're working on it. You know what? I saw a t-shirt that I want real bad. It had four, one word four times on it. Pray, 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 pray. Let me, let me warn you. We're moving the Saturday morning prayer meeting to nine, hoping more people. Look, if you were a bunch of preachers, I'd insult the life out of you. I said this one time at a gathering. Uh, pastors, if you're sleeping until 9 o'clock in the morning, you just need to call it a day. If you're going to sleep till 9 o'clock in the morning, you just might as well call it a day. Between 5 and 9 in the morning or 4 and 9 in the morning is when me and God have some of the best conversations I have through the whole day. Ain't no phones ringing. Nobody knocking on my door. Can't mow the grass because the neighbors are asleep, right? <laughs> you know? But, man, man, just want to talk to God. I'm telling you that talking to God is going to be the difference between the churches that get caught up on fire of the Holy Ghost and revival and those who just finish dying off. Anyway, enough of that. 1 Corinthians 14, 3 and 4, on the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding, encouragement, and consolation. I already read that. Jump down here. Now, I want to take a look at something here with you. I just, you know, you start seeing these little nuggets in the Word of God. I want you to grab your Bibles and find Acts chapter 11. I'm going to give you a moment to do that. I'm going to turn my back on the camera for just a second. Got to wet this whistle here. Acts chapter 11. Wow. Acts chapter 11. Verse 27. Run your finger down until you find that. Just a little side note here. I think you might enjoy it. Acts chapter 11, verses 27 through 30. Now in these days, prophets. Uh, say that with me. Prophets. One more time. Prophets. How about one more time? Prophets. Thank you. I didn't want to move on until I could hear it over my own voice. Now, in these days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. Now, how many of you know if for the New Testament, where we have all the teaching on the Holy Ghost, if the Bible calls a person a prophet, they're a prophet. I had someone tell me the other day, I, I got a confession, Pastor. I don't even know what a prophet is. I said, well, if you knew one, you saw one, you'd know it. If you'd met one, you'd know it. Now, in these days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch, and one of them named who? Someone say it. Agabus, what a name. And one of them named Agabus stood up and foretold, foretold. Did you hear that? He foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. What is it trying to say? Not only did the man speak about the future, but it came to pass. So what do you know about this man? Here's the real McCoy, right? And what did he give them? Through the, what was the vehicle by which that word came? It was the word of wisdom. Because it was about the future. And only in the wisdom of God is the future known. It, that's not too difficult. Amen? All right, so we know that a word of wisdom came out of his mouth. And one of them named Agabus, Agabus stood up and foretold by the Spirit. I like that, by the Spirit. And Spirit is capitalized. Right? that there would be a great famine over all the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. So the disciples determined, every one of them, according to his ability, to send relief to the brothers living in Judea, or Judea. And they did so, sending it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. So what happened was, this word came forth about 
this uh, famine, and they immediately started taking up money and sending it to the church in the heart of where that famine was going to be, so that when the famine came, the church floated through it. Amen? Right? So that, that was a true prophet. When you see and hear a real prophet, you don't have to wonder. Mm-mm. They're, they're the real McCoy. Acts 21.10. Go to Acts 21.10. And you're going to love this. Agabus is talked about again. This is powerful. Acts 21.10. While we were staying for many days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. And coming to us, he took Paul's belt and bound his on feet and hands and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, This is how the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. Now let me tell you. You say, Brother Dennis, that was not good news. What, it wasn't good news, was it? How many of you know it didn't phase Paul at all? All it did... Because I'm just, this is me. Can I make a personal observation here and you don't have to disown me or fire me over this? I think the man didn't say a word that Paul didn't already know. But when Agabus opened his mouth, because Paul, Paul wasn't, Paul was, he was a humble man. He was not prideful. He didn't, he didn't brag about it or didn't say, hey, y'all don't know what I'm going to go through for you. No. The Holy Spirit revealed it through someone else so those people would know. Right? Number one. And what was the Holy Ghost looking for? Prayer warriors. Listen to me. Paul was about to undergo something terrible. He was willing to do it. But how many of you know the Holy Ghost knew he'd need prayer? The people wept. They begged him not to go. You read the scriptures. They begged, oh, don't go, Paul. Don't go, Paul. The Holy Spirit's warned you. He said, hey. I'm supposed to go. I'm going. And he went. Amen. So the news that you hear from the Holy Spirit, it isn't always for the reasons that you think you're hearing it. Do you understand that the Holy Spirit can have other motives for saying what he's saying? It wasn't a warning to stop Paul from going because when Paul went and when Paul ended up in prison, he wrote most of two-thirds of the New Testament. Most of that he wrote while he was behind bars. So that was not a warning from the Holy Ghost to keep Paul from going. It was a heads up for the people in his life to take him up in prayer. Amen? Now, I, I just had to talk about that a little bit. Um, I want you to look now in Acts 21, back up to just before this story. And pay close attention to this. All right? Uh, on the next day, we departed and came to Caesarea. And we entered the house of Philip the evangelist. Who was one of the seven. What were the seven? Do you remember the original seven people appointed in the church in Jerusalem to be deacons? Right? All right. Who was one of the seven and stayed with him. Now, now, this is Philip. He had four unmarried daughters who did what? They prophesied. I had a guy tell me one time, now listen to me. I have known in my lifetime, I've had the privilege of knowing some prophetesses. Are you hearing me? 
That's a female prophet. Don't you tell me that that just can't be. That can't happen. Don't tell me that because I've met them. I've known them. I've watched them in action, right? I had a guy tell me one time, when I, I was younger, I was asking him about it. He goes, well, you know, um, this is easy. And I, I can tell you how that people could come to this conclusion. He said, well, you know that Philip had four daughters that were prophetesses. And I said, how do you get that from what that says? Does that say that Philip had four daughters that were prophetesses? Is that what it says? No. It says that he had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. Now, now you need to pay attention to the nuances, all right? Am I against... Um, Saying, am I against anybody saying that they were prophetesses? Well, kind of, sort of, but it ain't because they're women. Do you understand what I'm saying? They could, very, they could very well have been prophetesses, and I would have believed it if the Word said it, but that is not what the Word says. The Word says they prophesied. All four of Philip's daughters were used in the simple gift of prophecy. Do you understand what I'm saying here? Um... They must have prophesied in the services held in their home because otherwise, how would Paul have known that they prophesied if he had not heard them himself? All right? So we know that Philip's daughters spoke to the whole company to edification, to exhortation, and comfort by the unction of the Holy Spirit. That's more important. Amen? Because 1 Corinthians 14.3 says, But he that prophesieth speaketh unto men to edification and exhortation and comfort. It does not say that they said anything about the future. Amen? All right. I want to talk a little bit about misuses of the gift of prophecy. I've already mentioned it once, but here goes. Misuses of this gift has caused much confusion in the body of Christ. I'm aware of such travesties in the name of of the gifts one such account involved a woman telling of how she attended a prayer group where all they did was lay hands on each other and prophesied over each other she went on to state that if anything in these meetings ever came to pass she wasn't aware of it we call that a clue in police work all right she said that hands were laid on her and she was told that her mother was going to die within six months she lived for many years so, you think somebody missed it? Yeah, that ain't all. Many years had passed and her mother was still with her. She continued to say that one of them told her that her husband would leave her within a year. Many years had passed and she was still happily married. Her words, not mine. These people were not even able to pull off the correctness of a broken clock, which is correct twice a day. I have said that before and people laugh, but maybe it's not that funny. Kind of a travesty, isn't it? Wow. These people were misusing whatever gift they may have had. But if people would just stay with the simple gift of prophecy, they would speak to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. Amen? It's amazing to me how many people have followed the wrong teaching about this subject? But there's no good that comes from backing off from the real and the genuine 
because of the counterfeit. I've told you this before. Get ready if you've heard it before. You're going to hear it again. The counterfeit. What makes a counterfeit? Do you know that the counterfeit does not exist unless there is the real? For a counterfeit to exist, the real has to be out there. You can't counterfeit something that does not exist. You can't do it. It's not a counterfeit. If you try to counterfeit something that doesn't exist. Amen? So never forget that there can be no counterfeit anything in this world if the real doesn't exist, but the real exists. Amen? No, this is all the more reason that we need to allow the Holy Spirit to demonstrate the genuine gifts of the Spirit through us and show people from the Word what is real. Amen? Wow. The Holy Spirit manifests Himself mostly, listen to this, as we seek the Lord. Acts chapter 13. You're still in Acts? Go to Acts chapter 13. Give you a little sidebar note. Acts 13, 1 through 4, or at least 1 through 3 here. Um, Acts 13. Matter of fact, I'm going to make sure I haven't lost something here in the translation. How many of you know this book is better? Acts chapter 13. Wow, such a giant print. Now, there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers. Amen? That's the real McCoy. Prophets and teachers. And what are those two? Those two are part of the uh, ministry gifts to the church. And God gave gifts to the church. Some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and teachers. All right? Now, there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, uh, Manian, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting. Read that again. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said. I'd like to know, it'd be kind of nice to know who in that room the Holy Spirit chose to use, right? Uh, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. Uh, so being sent out uh, by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and there they sailed to Cyprus. Powerful, amen? Notice that it was as they ministered to the Lord and fasted that the Holy Spirit manifested himself. You know, you can't be loosey-goosey about these things. You've got to worship God with purpose, amen? Not by accident. Thank you, all one of you. That was good. Thank you, Connie. <laughs> All right, I'll, I like to be a man of my word. I was going to print some stuff up for you, and my printer went belly up this morning, and I just didn't let it phase me. I didn't have a printer, so I didn't worry about it. How many of you know there's no use sweating things that you can't control, right? All right, but I did have something come on me, and, and you're going to like this, Connie. Brace yourself. Have I not told you that all of the gifts of the Spirit of God show up in the Old Testament except tongues? 
So I, every week I need to give you an example, right? So I wrote closing thoughts. Nathan will tell you don't pay attention to that. Closing thoughts. I have endeavored to teach about the subject of the Holy Spirit and his gifts by consistently showing you examples of each gift in the Old Testament. Uh, however, let's take a look at one more New Testament passage before we go there. Passage before we go there. Listen to Ephesians 5.18. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with what? The Spirit. Speaking to yourselves. Listen carefully now. Speaking to yourself in what? Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. I'm going to read it again. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Well, with that in mind, and in closing, go to the book of Psalms. Go to the book of Psalms, chapter 1. Psalm chapter 1, verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And all that he does he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand uh, in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Do I need to read more? The book of Psalms. Who was the major human contributor to the book of Psalms? David, right? Over and over and over and over and over as you read the Psalms. And David is speaking. It's under the unction of the Holy Spirit. And the gift of prophecy. The simple gift of prophecy. The book of Psalms is replete. It's full of it. Full of it. So have I kept my word to you? I have. Have I not? I mean the book of Psalms. It's just. It, it reminds me of that first day in that church where I didn't know anything about the gifts of the Spirit and bing, somebody over here started speaking in tongues. I didn't know what it was, but I knew that it was very God. A hush fell on the place, and then they got quiet, and I thought, what now? What's going to happen? Boom, somebody over here stood up and started speaking forth in English with their hands raised to heaven, and it was something you know, that thrilled me just like Psalm chapter 1 does. Psalms is just a recording of the Holy Spirit prophesying through. And it's different men. They're different uh, people used by God to write the Psalms. Was there some things in there about warnings? Yes. You find things in there sprinkled throughout Psalms. But most of it. It's very uplifting and encouraging, and it's a big book. Am I right or wrong? 
So what should we do? What should we do? Shouldn't we kind of relinquish this thing? You know, you don't need to run over anybody with a bulldozer because you know some things they don't know. Amen? You know, open your mouth when God tells you to open your mouth and keep it shut when he doesn't. Amen? And just pray, all right? Because I'm telling you, the body of Christ is woefully uninformed about things you've heard in this room today, all right? And it humbles me as a pastor uh, to get to share these things with you. I love you. God loves you. He loves you enough to, and, and look, if we're going to talk about and pray about and be a church that disciples people, we have to teach the unadulterated, unwatered down, uncompromised word of God. Amen? You know, um, quit, quit worrying about things around you. Amen? Look, look, the only reason I, I was a little upset today about lower numbers is that fewer people got to hear this truth. How many of you believe that the body of Christ, if you're going to call yourself Pentecostal, that you believe in the Holy Ghost, needs to know what this word says about the Holy Ghost? It need, you need to know, and people need to know. So when I look around the room, and there's you know, a couple dozen of us uh, in the whole building, um, I didn't get a shot at a lot of people today, but God will bless the socks off of the broadcast, right? Right, Nathan? That's right. That's Nathan nodding over there. Yep. So... It's going to be all right. Amen. Well, you know, I love you so much. I, I had a guy tell me one time in a church where I had made myself unpopular. Can you believe that? Did you, can you believe that Pastor Carl Dennis can make himself unpopular in a church? Yeah, well, you know. I was unpopular in this particular church, and um, I literally had uh, uh, one of the leaders in the church tell me, that I told people that I loved them too often. That was easy for me to dismiss. That I told people I loved them too often and it cheapened it. I said, let me see if I've got this right. <laughs> I need to stop telling people I love them so that they'll know I love them. Yeah. I tell you that I love you because I love you. God's placed the love in my heart for you. But I tell you that to remind you I don't love you compared to how he loves you. Amen? He loves you. All right. How many of you think we ought to, you know, over the next few weeks, just keep going and wrap up on the teaching on the gifts of the Spirit? I think we should. No time to stop now. Amen? That's all right. Okay. Stand up with me and let me pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name, I want to thank you for the truth of your word. I want to thank you, Father, for helping us to see with our own eyes and hear with our ears because you touched our eyes to see, touched our ears and opened them so that we might hear, receive the truth. Uh, Father, I, I just believe that there are prophets and prophetesses in this world today, and I thank you for that because the Word of God says, and he gave gifts to the church. So if you gave gifts to the church, you said it, I believe it, that settles it. But, Father, I believe also that it's a travesty that human nature in this world has rose up and tried to uh, conjole people and influence people and to try to lift themselves up in the eyes of people. Father, I don't want to be lifted up in the eyes of people. I, I want to uh, kneel before the throne room of grace and be found there, Father, in Jesus' name. Lord, use us, we pray. We say humbly, Father. 
Uh, touch us in ways that uh, we're willing to open our mouths in faith and speak forth all the things that your Holy Spirit shows us and wants us to speak. Father, help us keep our mouth shut when we don't know what we're talking about. Help us just get quiet before you and learn from you, Father. Prepare our hearts for all that you're going to do, Father, all that you want to do. Uh, pour out your Spirit upon us, we pray in Jesus' name. Help us to see your word in these matters clearly. Father, your Holy Spirit is so powerful and gracious that it travels with us. Uh, it fills us to overflowing, goes with us everywhere we go, leads, guides, directs, and protects. Your, Father, your joy is our strength, not my joy. Happiness is a fleeting thing. Your joy doesn't change with the stock market, doesn't change with bad news, doesn't go up and down with the weather. Lord, I thank you in Jesus' name uh, for the peace that passes all understanding, even in a world that has lost its mind. Father, we thank you for saving the lost in this city. Um, people may think I'm asking for the impossible, and I certainly am. I do not argue that point. You are the God of the impossible. Bring revival to this city, we pray, and we're just going to keep talking to you about it. Keep talking to you about it. Keep talking to you about it and ask you to prepare our hearts and our lives, Father, that we can show Jesus to a lost and dying world. Father, continue to be with us. Prepare our hearts and lives this week for the time change in the service for next week as we meet here at 6 o'clock. Father, it's my desire that your Holy Spirit meets us here in such a special way that your stamp is placed on those services, Father. That you're in this place, that you're saving the lost, you're setting the captive free, healing the sick, filling with the Holy Ghost to overflowing, Father, with signs and wonders, all for your glory. We can do nothing outside of Jesus. We can do nothing but with Jesus. We can do greater things than he did when he was here because he said so. I do not waste any time uh, struggling with belittling those words of Jesus and making excuses. The excuses are wrong, the truth is we just need to line up with your word and let Jesus Christ manifest by the power of his spirit through us as vessels for his glory. Once again, be with us as we depart from this place today. We give you all the glory and the honor and praise for it in Christ's name. And everybody said amen and amen. Praise God. God bless you. Fellowship together a little bit before you leave.